1980, who's trying to get degrees? It can't be women, right? It must be these? Okay, it's women, but let's not do that again. Let's reserve degrees for 50-odd more years for only men. Then only change our ways to keep our rep from falling flat. Let's chat. Welcome to Battery Chattery, episode 10. I'm Hope Wilson. And I'm Anna Rigney. And today we're going to talk about Laura Bassi. Laura? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's because she's Italian. Uh-huh. Bassi? Because she's a badass? Uh-huh. That's why, that's why they named her that. Okay. Not because of paternal lineage or anything like right. that. Right. Okay. So, uh, Laura Bassi was a scientist in the 1700s in Italy, and this is going to be the first part of probably a series of episodes about her, just because there's a lot of history, and I read too much of it. <laughs> but simultaneously, we'll be trying to set the stage for the invention of the battery in 1800, which was actually after her death. But nonetheless, um, this we think is important background. She um, was instrumental in the science that led to the battery. Yeah, she, uh, she or was, instrumental in the lives of the scientists who invented the battery. She was a pretty big deal in just like promoting experimental physics. Okay. And uh, had a lot of collaboration with other scientists of her day, including the person who invented the battery. Um, but possibly we just really wanted to talk about her and we're rationalizing why we can talk about her. Cool. Okay. That's fine with me. Sweet. Um, so let's let's get started with 1678. This is before Laura was born, but this is the first time a woman got a university degree that is like documented. Okay. There were a couple people who, a couple women who supposedly got a degree before that, but it's like, oh, where's the, where's the documents? Also, mm-hmm. like one of them, they literally are like, we don't even know what institution supposedly gave her this degree, so we're not going to count her. Anyway, um, so this woman's name, this woman who does get her degree and is like maybe the first woman ever to have done so, uh, her name is Elena Cornaro Piscopia, and so what? Syllables. <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, she gets a philosophy degree. 20,000 people show up to watch her get her degree. This was not normal. This like out of something that would happen to men. Or something like that? Like, I don't understand. Just like, you know. Like an attraction? <laughs> yeah. That's my impression, yes. Okay. All right, so she gets her degree. And immediately afterwards, the University of Padua, which is where she got her degree, decides they've had enough of women getting degrees, and they're not going to let that happen again. I mean, she caused so many problems, right? (laughs) Undoubtedly. She really didn't. (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) Um, All right, so so scooting over from Padua to Bologna. So Bologna, Italy generally, it's got a history at this point of, like, educating women, but not giving them degrees or anything, but basically you'd have in noble families... Uh, you know, women would get male tutors teaching them, like, languages, history, philosophy. Yeah. So, 1722, there's another attempt to get a degree by a woman. So, this is Maria Vittoria Delfini Dosi. I'm really sorry about my pronunciation. 
She defends several legal theses at the Spanish college in Bologna, and her father is like, hey, give this girl a degree. And uh, the University of Bologna is like, no, you know, we're good. We don't really want to give her a degree. So anyway. So that's why you said attempted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is why I said that. But not successfully. Right. Got a degree. So, that's some bullshit. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Like, I have no doubt that she deserved a degree, but you know, it's fine. The University of Bologna had a lot of doubts. Apparently. Yeah. And unfortunately, you do not confer degrees. <laughs> I do not. Is that the right word? I think so, yeah. Okay. So, 1732, our girl Laura Bassi is 20 years old at this point. She defends 49 theses Jeez. and receives the second verified university degree ever given to a woman and becomes the first woman to receive an offer of an official teaching position at a university in Europe. That's exciting. Uh-huh. Where was her teaching position? Do we know? At the University of Bologna. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So just for clarification, a thesis is not like what a thesis is today. Um, like if she had to do 49 of what PhD students have to do today, that's just like not possible probably. <laughs> Unless she's a super genius. Right. But Seems <laughs> unlikely. Maybe if you spent your whole life on it, you know? Yeah. But not by the age of 20. I don't think that's humanly possible. No, it kind of sounds more like it was a... These were individual papers, which is still a shit ton. Yeah. But I guess they had more time. It was like each one was like discussing some scientific or philosophical question. I don't really know how, like how much discussion needed to go into them, but. Or like how much evidence needed to go into them? Yeah. Okay. But anyway, 49 of them. Um, so at this point, the University of Bologna has been suffering kind of a decline in prestige. And they were kind of hoping that, you know, again, like, like you, I think, said before, Piscopio was kind of, like, lots of people came to see her as kind of a show. Like, oh, whoa, a woman's getting a degree. Yeah. Um, what, a, what a crazy world. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what was going on here with, with, like, why the University of Bologna was like, let's give a woman a degree. And, like, don't get me wrong, 100% she deserved that degree. Yeah. Um, but like so did a lot of other women and they weren't getting them so you know I say a lot probably not a lot of women were allowed to even bother in the first place right, with right. the work needed to yes. <laughs> get there so I did misspeak there but um, just, just generally yeah they so, had their reasons for giving her her degree because they thought that they could get people to pay attention to them again yes and yeah, similar to Piscopia, her thesis defense and her degree conferment were super, super well attended. Um, I think for the degree conferment, they literally like had her in a carriage, like traveling across Bologna, like waving at the passerby. I'm trying to figure out what this would be like akin to today. Kind of, am I the first thing that comes to mind? And I'm no way drawing like an actual comparison, but more of like a comparison of how women were seen back in the day. But you know that, um, I think it's a gorilla named Coco who has mm. sign language. Uh-huh. Kind of sounds like if a declining university today gave Coco a degree as a way of like bolstering uh-huh. their prestige. <laughs> Seems weird. 
Yeah. I don't know how effective that would be at like people being like, oh, that's a solid university again. I don't think that would be effective at all. So I guess I, we've talked about this, but it's it still confuses me why they were like, this is a good strategy for like upping our esteem in the eyes of the like academic world. Mm-hmm. But maybe, you know, different well, times. <laughs> it really was. I mean, she, she was absolutely brilliant. Like, they wouldn't have just given a degree to someone who like hadn't demonstrated just like an astounding amount of brilliance um so like they're the ones that found this exceptional woman sort of thing i guess okay that could be it yeah like look what we found all right look at our diamond from the rough is that how you say that diamond in the rough diamond in the rough i'm bad at idioms (laughs) they say it a lot in the movie aladdin they do it's been unfortunately too long since I've seen the movie Aladdin. That's fair. Um, okay, so at this point, this is going to be important in a later episode in this series. Uh, she is already receiving the support. Like by the time she gets her degree, she's already receiving the support of Prospero Lambertini, who later—it's totally not how you say it. It's probably like Lambertini, whatever. Later, he becomes Pope Benedict the Fourteenth. Um, Whoa, is his name Prospero Lambertini? Yeah. How does that become Pope Benedict the 4th? 14th? What did you say? Yeah, 14th. Yeah, I th- Did popes get a new name when they become popes? Yeah, I think so. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know why I would have known that. That's <laughs> crazy. Okay. All right, so uh, our boy Prospero Lambertini actually insisted that the university give Laura her teaching position. So I guess they were reluctant, but he was like, hey, do it. And again, at this point, he was not the Pope, but he was a cardinal, so he had a lot of influence still. Sure. Back when science and religion were a little bit more intertwined. (laughs) Yeah. He actually, um, I don't know when this was in his career, but he was also, he, like, removed the ban on talking about um, like Copernicus and Galileo, that okay. stuff. Like the theory, I think that Earth revolves around the sun. That's what yeah. that was all about, right? I yeah, think that was Copernicus. Yeah. Or no? No, I don't remember. It was. Yeah. I think it was Copernicus, but like Galileo did work also on the same thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this was this was a time when the church was kind of trying to get its uh, scientific standing correct. That's good. Yeah. Still seems to struggle with that, but whatever. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so even with this teaching position, Laura was not permitted to teach in public without specifically being commanded to by her superiors. Um, what does that mean? She like they could be like, "Hey, Laura, teach this lecture," but she couldn't just be like, "Hey, I want to teach this lecture. I'm going to go do it." Bye. Okay. So she was given a position. Kind of symbolic. Okay. Kind of. Um, oh, what was the words they used? Hang on, I'm sorry. Honorary. Honorary was the exact word. Excellent. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> so she was given an honorary position. Kind and of. Then, That's what it was supposed to be. But she, like, pushed to do things. Oh, yeah. Big time. How... So, like, at, I'm guessing at first, she was, like, subject to when they wanted her to teach as opposed to when she wanted to teach. Mm-hmm. How long did that last? Um... Okay, so 1732 was when she got her thesis, or got her 
degree and got her teaching position. She, sorry, this is, this is a long, this is a roundabout uh, answer to your question. Okay. But she was waiting to get access to some books so she could really get started on learning like higher mathematics. Mm-hmm. Um, and these books weren't, Actually, for once, this wasn't about her being a woman. It was just that they like they didn't let people see these books until they were 24. Okay. So she had to wait till 1735, and then she spent three years learning higher mathematics. Um, which, incidentally, like she she could have just you know she could have taken her salary that the university was giving her, lectured when they told her to lecture, and just kind of sat back and yeah. lived her life. That's but not how Bassy the Badass operates, it though. It's not. She. Was I mean, yeah, so she spent three years learning higher mathematics, and mm-hmm. then she was like, cool, I'm, like, ready to, you know, I'm ready to roll here. I want to teach. I want to collaborate with other scientists, etc. So, she, like I said, she wasn't allowed to teach publicly. She also, it was an issue for her to teach privately because, you know, kind of a scandal to have a woman teaching men all by Behind herself. Behind closed doors. Oh, yeah. Um, and this was also an issue with just, like, being a scientist because that involves collaboration and like she couldn't like meet other scientists without people being like "Uh uh-uh that's so scandalous and like you know it was kind of important for her to be on good terms with the vatican Mm because they had a lot of say over her life um and apparently like getting into scandals isn't a good way to be on the good side of the vatican apparently not so what she did what she did about this in 1738 was she got married then you're allowed to be in a closed room with another man? Uh-huh. That doesn't make sense to me, but whatever. I don't I don't think he even like Yeah, I don't think he even had to be present all the time at her teachings and stuff. Like I'm pretty sure he didn't, but I guess just like being married changed things. Did they did they think that like being married meant that you physically couldn't fuck somebody else? Like I don't understand. <laughs> no, you said a swear on the podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> I don't really uh, know what that's all about. Fornicate? I really don't. And the thing is, I mean, I don't get even why she couldn't just, like, meet with a bunch of other scientists. Because, like, what's she going to do meeting, like, ten other scientists? I feel like you would not be happy with where my mind went. <laughs> yeah, I saw that smirk. <laughs> um, I guess, whatever, it's, it's a societal thing at the time I guess that like an unmarried woman in the presence of men is inappropriate but a married woman mm-hmm. in the presence of men is fine somehow yeah whatever. I guess but yeah I should also note um, actually some people were disappointed in her decision to get married because you know there was this thing of her being this like very elevated person of like a most learned woman and a virtuous woman aka a virgin and like People were like, oh, you're just going to throw all that away by getting married? But, uh... So being married means you're not virtuous? Yeah, I okay. guess. Well, it means you're not a virgin. Hmm. I mean... Obvious, okay, obviously it doesn't actually mean that, but I think that was the thought. There, there are the so day. many flaws. <laughs> I, I, you're telling me. Oh, no, sorry. I'm not trying to teach you. I'm just <laughs> I'm frustrated by the logic. Oh, yeah. But whatever. We can move on. It's fine. <laughs> People were dumb in the 1700s. Yeah. Shocker. Yeah. And so she, she... It does appear to me that she got married specifically so she could just, like, do her damn science. Does her, did her husband know that? He was just a trophy husband. You're so I can do my science. I like to think 
they were also in love. I don't really know. Okay. That's nice of you. Thanks. People have been dead for a couple hundred years. <laughs> yeah. That was most of what I wanted to talk about with this episode. I had one other thing just um, in terms of, like I said, the university kind of gave her this honorary position. So what did they actually want her to do? And one big answer to that was lecture at the Carnival Anatomy, which was this weird, weird, weird thing. Um, what was it? Very it sad. was a carnival. So it took place before Lent, right? Like mm-hmm. lots of revelry. Um, it was also a dissection, a publicly held dissection. The only one that you could just, like anyone could go to as long as they bought tickets. What do they dissect? Oh, humans. What? Yeah. Dead human. Cadavers. Yes. Okay. Uh, I believe these would all be like executed prisoners. Did they have any like, were they doing it for scientific understanding? I think so. Like they... Because I feel like there was a belief, a scientific, well, not scientific by our standards, but a scientific belief in the past that criminals had different... Oh. Like... Right, isn't that a thing where like yeah. that phrenology where you like touch somebody's head and they have like different lumps and lumps and that means they're a criminal? So yeah. I would assume that I have no idea if that had anything to do with this. Well, I, I, I guess think what I'm wondering, like, criminal bodies were what were available. Yeah, that sounded so like messed up of me. Sorry. No, I got what you mean. Like those were the ones that they had access to because probably people, other people would be buried, would have family that wanted them to not be dissected. Maybe. Yeah. You know. I guess my question is more tending towards, like, if they thought, like, if they were doing it for scientific pursuits, that would be, like, counter to them also thinking that there would be something uh, aberrant. Aberrant? Abnormal? Sure. Let's go with that. I think those are both words. I don't know why words sound so weird to me today. Um, If there was, like, something abnormal about the anatomy of a criminal, I would be confused about what the purpose of that would be. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or was it just to have a good time before you went into lunch? <laughs> yeah. That's Basically. How I like to have a good time is dissect a human body. Yeah. Right? Right. That please don't <laughs> So this this keep that in the final edit. <laughs> yeah, before Lent next year I'm gonna just bring a body to your house right. and we're gonna get and our then, scalpels. And then be very um, abstemious the entire of Lent the entirety of Lent. <laughs> Also, they didn't... I, I looked this up. Embalming didn't really become a thing until, like, the 1800s. And yeah. this event lasted 10 to 15 days, so I have to assume that the corpse was getting a little gross by the end. That is nasty. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> I was on board with it when it was a fresh corpse, but now that I know <laughs> it's a 10-day-old corpse, I'm really not okay. Mm. Okay. I'll bring you a fresh corpse. For Thanks. <laughs> for Mardi Gras. Excellent. We had a whole other year, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so, sorry. So she, this is sort of like after she started to be like, fuck you to the university, I can do what I want? Or they, oh, they asked her to do this. This was what they asked her to okay. do. So she, what professors would do at this event was like, they would lecture and they would debate each other. And this would be like both on questions of anatomy, but also on just like random other stuff, I guess. And so most professors would rotate in and out, but they had her do it every year because, like, <laughs> again... It's a spectacle. It's a spectacle. Like, the carnival itself is a spectacle, and she's a spectacle, so you put them together, and what do you got? Double spectacle. Oh, yeah. It's like a double rainbow. <laughs> yeah. 
but a lady scientist. Yeah, and a public dissection. Oh my god. So, it sounds like early on in her career, she was not not specifically prohibited from conducting science, but was subject to societal rules that meant that it was hard for her to conduct yeah. research and used as like a mascot or something like that. <laughs> I'm confused. Basically. Yeah, I think at this point she also didn't have like full access to like the resources of the okay. institute that she was teaching at. Like, so she was prohibited in multiple ways. Yeah. Like, I think she got that kind of access much later on when she joined the Benedictine Academy. But that's for next episode. Okay. Sorry to jump ahead. No, you're good. I, I, it was I who jumped. <laughs> but yeah, just a couple more notes about the carnival because I just, I really think this is... No, it's fascinating. such a, yeah. Um, Can I ask, do you know what other things they did at the carnival besides the dissection? It's like a normal, like, Mardi Gras situation where people are just... Uh, I mean, I know you've got people going around in masks. Okay. I know you've got people heckling the uh, the lecturers. Okay. Um, oh, and you said there was, like, a debate component? Yeah. They were debating each other? Mm-hmm. Were these all professors from the same university that she was from, or was it, like, a di- bunch of different um, universities representing? I don't know if they had people, like, travel, like, to the carnival. I'm... I don't know that they didn't, but I do think for the most part it was, like, local professors. Okay. Um. God, if I had to give a scientific talk now and got heckled during it, that'd be rough. I'm already not a fan. And people are polite to me when I do it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Just because just cause we're at the end of the episode and it seems like it's fine to go on a tangent now, mm-hmm. there was another woman... Anna Morandi, um, I think after she got married, her last name was Manzolini, so that must have been her husband's name. No one cares about him. JK, they work together. Um, uh, they were wax modelers, okay. uh, which means they would dissect bodies and make wax models of like different organ systems and things like that. And, That's awesome. Yeah. And so Anna, Anna Morandi didn't get a degree or anything, but she had just like all this practical knowledge and just also like kind of carved a path for herself um and like continued doing this even after her husband died so i I guess you you asked me once um what what vision research was like back in the day oh did i yeah well because i mentioned uh one of the carnival anatomies that laura bassi attended um she debated with a man named Domenico Galeazzi mm-hmm. about sight. Okay. I, I think mostly how it was conducted was just, like, dissecting people's eyes and stuff. And, like, Anamorandi had a bunch of... You, you can look up her sculptures. She's got a bunch of, like, eyes. They're all really creepy. You just, like, That's awesome. put together. Yeah. And she also, like, <laughs> like I said, embalming wasn't a thing. Corpses got gross. Okay. So Anna Morandi, like she was also a teacher. She would teach at her home. And uh, these wax models were really useful because she could lecture in the summer without putrefaction happening. Oh, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> also, I love the term putrefaction. <laughs> um, so she used the wax models to teach. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. How did we get from the carnival to, I don't remember how to say her name, Anna what? Anna Morandi. Morandi. Um, we got there because 
anatomy was relevant in both cases. Okay. <laughs> um, so she wasn't involved at all in the carnival? Oh, no, I don't think she was. Okay. I know that one year, actually, um, Galeazzi, who I just mentioned, this was a different year, though, he gave her and her husband a head afterwards for them to look at okay. and work on. I don't remember the exact details, but I think the uh, the head was of a deaf mute person, and they like kind of cut it open to see what was up with the ears and stuff. Oh, cool. Oh, you know what? They actually, um, she and her husband, like I said, she didn't have a degree. I don't think I think they could read Latin, but they weren't able to like speak, like probably converse in Latin, and you needed to be able to do that in order to lecture and stuff. Okay. So now that I think about it, I don't think they would have been invited to lecture at the carnival. But but it sounds like they were connected to the people who did the carnival because mm-hmm. they received heads from them. Yeah. Which is a lovely yeah. gift. They did. They collaborated with Galeazzi, I believe. Okay, cool. Yeah. And he was the vision scientist that Bossi uh, debated with. Yes. Okay. That's going to say very first <laughs> carnival. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a word. Um, yeah, that's all I had for the day. Cool. So, starting to learn a little bit about Bossi. Mm-hmm. She's awesome. She's awesome. And it sounds like she's very persistent in the face of everybody being, like, preventing her from doing the things that she wants to do. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Moral of the... Mo, mo, wow. The moral of this story is never give up, kids. Yeah. Okay, you don't even know the end of the story yet, so I don't <laughs> think I can really assign a moral. But not, not quite yet. Not quite yet. Maybe after we wrap up. Her existence, not we wrap up. That's <laughs> after we terminate her. <laughs> no, after we wrap up the series of podcasts. <laughs> yeah, about her existence. And then you can draw your own conclusions about whether you should give up. You can do what you want, really. You can. <laughs> We're not here to tell you how to live your life. All right. Uh, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye bye. She's married now and prepped for yet another uphill climb next time on Battery Chattery.